Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Amen. God is good. So I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I just felt like the Lord was nudging me as we were singing. I'll just to say this to you. Last night, I woke up in the middle of the night, which is not unusual for me. Um, I don't wake up all that many times. For those of you who are I'm not that old, although I look quite old. Um, I wake up in the... What did you say, that? No, don't. Amen. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I got up and went to the bathroom, and I was washing my face, and all of a sudden, I felt... I mean, I, I, can't, I can't explain it. I felt like I was about to faint. I felt like so terrible... And it was just, I've never felt that dizzy, that sort of out of it before in my life. And as I was sort of stumbling my way back to the bed, I thought, this is it. I'm going to kill myself because I'm going to hit my head against the bathroom sink or on the countertop and Catherine's going to find me dead and it's just going to be a disaster. That's how I felt, love. It's the truth. I was worried about you. Anyway, I managed to stumble my way back into bed, lie in the bed, and all of a sudden I broke out into this horrible sweat, like this cold, ice-cold sweat. And what I realized in that moment was it was the enemy. I mean, I don't want to hyper-spiritualize things, but I felt like there was an attack in that moment. And I I can't explain it because I've never felt it before. I'm not saying we don't get dizzy naturally, but I just felt like it was a time for me to cry out. And what was amazing is I lay in that bed, you know, it was obviously cold out, but I just had, had, had to take all the sheets and the covers off, and I just started praying. I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to die. I mean, I was a bit dramatic. It's midnight, guys. Give me a break. But all of a sudden, it was just like it just passed, and then I just fell asleep. And it was just amazing. But the reason I'm telling you this, and I don't know why I'm telling you this, but God told me to tell you, is that sometimes when we're at the points of our biggest breakthrough in life, the enemy comes at us in the most, you know, crazy of ways. It can happen to our health. It can happen to our sanity. It can happen to every area of our lives. But what I want to encourage us as a church this morning is that there is no power that cannot be broken in the name of Jesus. And I just have a sense that there's some people here this morning that are struggling with that. And I don't want to take time from Mark because we're going to bring him up here now and he's got a powerful preach for you. I know he does. But I just want you to know, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're facing today, no matter how scary it may be, the power in the name of Jesus can break it all. Amen. Amen. So just a quick update, Christmas Impact. I told you every week I'll tell you where we're at. So far, we're up to $6,000 for our Christmas Impact. As you know, if you read the letters, we are trusting for the Lord to provide us with what we need for next year. We've got a whole lot of things that we believe the Lord's leading us into. And so we just want to celebrate what Jesus has done already. And then just quickly, uh, I I think it's important. Last week I got up and I gave us a COVID update and I spoke to everybody, those online here and we made some announcements. This week, to be honest, I, I had an unsettledness in my heart, and I just, I just was struggling with a whole bunch of stuff. And so after chatting with Charlie and Crystal and Kat, and after taking it to the Lord and taking it to the deacon team, we're going to make some updates to this announcement. So I would appreciate your grace in this. I know that it seems like we have changed our minds in a week, and in some cases we have, but I feel like this is a better solution for us as a church. And so what are we asking from everybody? is that you'd honor the church and honor the mandate that we would walk around this building and wear our masks. However, when you're in the auditorium, what we've done is made room for two sections, sections where masks are required, and that means throughout the worship experience, and a section where masks are optional. doesn't mean you can't wear a mask in those sections, but you're welcome to take them off. What we feel is that, you know, there's such strong opinions on this, on both sides of it, and to be honest, I hear both sides of the equation. And I want to be very clear. We want to honor everyone in this church. Christ came to set us free, not to put us into bondage. And so there is freedom in this place. But I also want to encourage us with with this one thing. No matter where you sit in this room, 
whether you sit you know, here or there or everywhere, the fact of the matter is, under God, we are all children of God. There is no better, there is no worse, there's no young, there's no old, there's no right, there's no wrong. Everybody is entitled to work through this at their own pace in the way that they feel most comfortable. And so I want to encourage us as a church, and I feel this is an opportunity for us to build unity. Because what we see in the church is a picture of the world, right? Except we are the perfect picture in Jesus Christ. There is a world that's full of different people out there. And the only place where we can feel comfortable coming in and being accepted by one another is the kingdom of God. That's what makes the church unique. You see, the world can't do it. We see it all around us. There's division. There is disunity out there. But this place, we will never allow division to come in because everybody is the same. And so we need to extend the love. Jesus gave us a great commandment. Matthew chapter 22, he said the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. But then he said, and there is another like it. He said, love your brother in the same way that you would love yourself. And so forget about what people are wearing or aren't wearing. We are all children of God. God loves each and every single person. And we will strive for unity in this church. So love each other with the same love that Christ loves us. Amen. Can we agree on that? And for those of you online who are at risk, who feel that they cannot come and don't want to meet in large public gatherings, we will continue to stream our messages as well. And it's with this solution that we feel we've really taken into account everybody's relative needs and everybody's relative levels of comfort. We love you, church, every single one of you. No matter how you choose to go through this, we're here to walk alongside you as a church. Amen? Mark, come on up. So we are, as you know, going through an Advent series. And uh, we've had some amazing preachers. Uh, well, Tim's preach was great. We won't worry about mine, but we've got Mark up today. Mark is a mighty man of the faith, someone who I've come to love and cherish as a dear friend of mine. And he's going to be bringing us this morning's word on, the, on, on joy. Now, I want to say to you as a church, we celebrate gifts. We don't celebrate one gift or a particular gift. We celebrate all of our gifts. God has blessed this church with amazing preachers, and there are many of them. And we love to hear them preach because God's got something to say that's different through each and every voice that comes up here. So, Mark, I want to pray for you, and then take us where you feel the Lord's leading us. Father, thank you for this man of God who is honoring you, Lord, and bringing your word to us today. I pray, Lord, that you'll fill his word with your power that you'll bring impartation this morning, that we won't just walk out of here more clever than we were when we arrived, but we'll have walked out of this place meeting with you, Jesus. I pray for strength, for courage, and for calmness to be upon him, and for all of our hearts to be open and to be soft, ready to receive your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Well, good morning, Hope Rock Church, in person and online. My name is Mark Batten, and as Marco said, I am an elder deacon. You're an elder deacon. I said that last time. I'm sorry. I'm a deacon. And uh, I have the privilege of leading uh, Fight Club, the men's ministry here, and I, I, do, I do that with the assistance of other mighty men of God here in this room, uh, and I appreciate every one of you. Uh, I'm wearing red flannel today in honor of the previous two preachers that were up here. Uh, I, I, I was looking in my closet this week, and I noticed that all I have is gray and black, and I felt like it was not appropriate, so Amazon delivered this in two days, so now... <laughs> yes, thank you. So, so now when you watch the entire series, it'll look consistent like we planned this. Uh, as I said, uh, Marco preached on hope, or he preached a couple of weeks ago on hope, and Timothy here preached on faith. Today, uh, we're going to take a look at joy. And I don't know how I got dealt the joy card. Uh, when Patty asked me, my, my, she didn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Just, just stand up real quickly. Yes, please. Yeah. 
Just stand up. Just stand up. Okay. Okay. Without her, I would not be up here. She is awesome, and I love her. So when I, when I told her I was preaching on joy, she said, what? You? Joy? Joy is the last thing that I would associate you with. I said, what do you mean? She goes, you're too analytical. You're too pensive. You're too introverted. And I am all of that. And it was, it was quite convicting for just a second because I realized I have joy. Joy, 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 deep down in my heart. Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Anybody remember that from the old uh, Bible school days? <laughs> so I, I know I have joy, but joy doesn't always come out in, in tangible ways for the world to see. Uh, in fact, joy which is closely related to happiness, is much more than a feeling. It is the absolute assurance in the promises and person of God producing an attitude of hope and praise. So that is my attitude. I have joy, but I need to work on uh, showing that joy in tangible ways. Uh, She's not here today, but she may be online. Wendy Elder, if anybody exudes joy, it would be Wendy. Am I right? I want to be more like Wendy Elder. Uh, <laughs> today, we're going to uh, examine the, the encounter of two pregnant women, Mary and Elizabeth, and how their story shows that consistent and everlasting joy is found only in Jesus, the Savior of the world. Amen. With that, we're going to open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, I just uh, humbly come before you asking that you would help me Uh, teach the Word of God rightfully, not just that we might uh, come to uh, having a better understanding of your truth, but that it would change our hearts and our perspective on life and on who you are, and it would impact our behavior today, our hopes and our dreams. Uh, I pray that you would show up here. You're already here. Please do that work in our heart that only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So before I dive into this, I I need to preface my message with my biblical view unashamedly uh, influences my understanding of the complexities of humans and their nature. We are very complex. God wonderfully and beautifully created us so complex that you cannot say that we evolve from the mud. But with that said, I am not preaching from a position of being trained as uh, as a counselor or a Uh, a psychologist, I'm coming to you with the Word of God, which I believe should influence psychology and counselors. Uh, The definition of gladness or happiness is this. It's emotions that are experienced when in a state of well-being. And here we are, the Christmas season, some of us uh, aren't not happy. We're not even joyful. Uh, We're quite the opposite. We're sad. Maybe uh, we're, we're missing a loved one. Um, perhaps uh, you've lost your job. Perhaps someone you know is sick. Uh, there's lots of reasons not to be happy or glad or joyful during the Christmas season. But there's hope. Amen. Happiness or gladness is, an ex- is experienced when in a state of well-being. And I'm going to suggest to you that our well-being is more than just circumstances lining up the way that we want them to line up, to yield us a an emotion of happiness. Well-being, for those that are placing a lot of emphasis on that emotion of happiness, is often contingent on external factors. If this doesn't go my way, I'm not happy. External factors are not necessarily in one's control, 
And uh, this renders gladness or happiness or the pursuit of that or those emotions as fleeting. How many can attest to that? How many know what I'm speaking of? I remember many years ago, in fact, I do it every year about this time, I, I start playing the Christmas music, I start looking at the uh, Christmas trees uh, at the uh, town square, I'm trying to build up or manufacture a state of happiness because, you know, it's Christmas, I want to be happy. And, and sometimes that works, but you know what happens, the day after Christmas, there's the big letdown. Can, can you all relate? And, and, and I'm trying to move beyond that to a state of joy, which is long term, and it is constant. Joy is closely related to happiness. However, joy is more a state of being than an emotion. Okay? Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. Joy is not contingent on one's external environment. Joy is an internal state of being that influences emotion. Is not subservient to emotions is steady. Joy is a result of choice, believe it or not. I have an illustration or two here just to help you kind of get into where my frame of mind is concerning happiness and joy. Uh, Tony Shea, you may know him or may have heard of him, billionaire, former CEO of the shoe company Zappos. On August 24th of this year, Shea retired as the CEO of Zappos after 21 years at the helm. In his book, Delivering Happiness, Shea wrote, ultimately, happiness is really just about enjoying life. When you need to party, you party. When you need to produce, you produce. On the morning of November 18th of this year, Shea was injured in a house fire and died on November 27th at the age of 46, just two weeks shy of his 47th birthday. The likely cause of the fire, you ask? Shea was said to be experiencing or experimenting with extreme behavior, including binge drinking, oxygen deprivation, using nitrous oxide in conjunction with drugs, and this may have caught his house on fire. Shea's sadness and pursuit of happiness killed him. On the opposite end of the spectrum, a little illustration about joy, and you moms might uh, uh, relate to this. How many of you have ever said this? My kids are my pride and joy. Have you said that? Not me. <laughs> uh, teenagers. How many of you said, I said this as a teenager. My car is my pride and joy. I, I, I know my kids aren't perfect all the time. I know my car is a clunker, but it is my joy to have my children and is a joy to have this car. Joy is a choice. Now, in those two scenarios... Joy is based on the, the ability for you to have joy in of, of yourself. There's no power in your proclamation to have joy. The reason I know that is because it won't be long before you uh, are not happy with your kids, and they're no longer your joy. And it won't be long before you trade that clunker in for a nicer car. 
So in those two instances, joy is short-lived. It's not long-term. It's very temporal. Humans are a trichotomy. And that's a fancy word for us being made up of three parts. And I say this because for you to understand the source of joy and how joy influences your emotions, you have to understand your makeup. We are a trichotomy, which means we are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. That's from the Bible. And it's important that you understand this because the soul relates to the physical realm. God created you with a soul so you could find your soulmate. You could have and experience love and pleasure and happiness. All the emotions that God created are experienced through our soul, which is, relates to our environment. Does that make sense? And I want to make sure you understand that, in, that feelings or emotion are a good thing. God created it. God created us with intellect, will, and emotion. We reflect the Trinity. We reflect God. He has that, those same attributes, but on a grander scale. Now, the spirit in us relates to the spiritual realm. So we have a soul and a spirit that are, that are intertwined. They cannot be separated, but you have soul and spirit, and your spirit is meant to have communion or understanding or experience the, the spiritual realm. So when all three are working in harmony, that's where we, I, experience joy, peace, Patience, happiness, kindness, self-control. So does that, does that all make sense? Okay. Now we're going to dive into the text for this morning. And I, I, I pray that you'll see what I see. Uh, I am just bringing you what I believe God's word is saying uh, to us. But I challenge you all to take a look at for yourself and see if you see what I see. Now, I do believe that the Lord is... Uh, uh, gave me this message because it came rather quickly, and I was able to outline it like within just a few minutes. And so I believe that, and that came out of an attitude of prayer. So I believe that this is for somebody here, somebody online. It could be for the entire church. But uh, here we go. We're going to take a look at uh, Mary visiting Elizabeth in Luke. And this is the, just the recap what uh, Marco and uh, Timothy spoke of the last couple of weeks. In Luke 1, 30 through 35, we see that the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she had found favor with God and that she would supernaturally conceive and bear a son, whose name shall be Jesus, the Son of God, the King of the world. In verse 36 to 37, the angel tells Mary, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is in the sixth month, and with her uh, she is called barren, or she was barren, and now she's pregnant. And uh, I love this. Maybe you can, uh, this excites your soul this morning. For nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. Take that home tonight. Put that on your refrigerator for, uh, as a reminder that God is good and that nothing is impossible. Mary's response to all this, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. So let's take a look at Luke 1, 39 through 45 real quickly here. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, 
Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary went to visit her relative Elizabeth. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Elizabeth is pregnant with the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist. We continue. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is Elizabeth speaking to Mary. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The baby didn't leap with happiness. The baby, which is a fetus, is incapable of perceiving its surroundings. It's in a, well, maybe it is a desirable place, a nice, cozy, warm, dark place, and I don't have to get up to the refrigerator to go eat. Mom's feeding me, right? Uh, but this text says that the baby leaped with joy. How could that be? The baby leaped with joy because Elizabeth was a faithful follower of God. She loved God. Mary loved God. Uh, they were both filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 41, it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if God supernaturally gave John the Baptist, the fetus, a little bit of Holy Spirit for him to recognize the presence of the king in the room, or if he was just feeding off of his mother's uh, uh, Holy Spirit or faith. I don't, I don't know exactly. But the point is this. Baby John the Baptist leaped with joy when he knew and experienced and felt the presence of the king in the room with him. That is the kind of joy that we can experience. Despite our circumstances where we find ourselves, when we are face-to-face -face with the king of kings, Jesus, we too can have joy. Uh, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. And... and and I'm not, that's kind of cliche-ish, cliche but it's true. Amen. It's absolutely true. And, and what I really want this year for us, for you, is for this to be the beginning of a brand new season of Christmas for you, not just for this year, but for all of eternity. I want you to have the right perspective on God, Amen. what he did for you and for me. He sent his son, took on flesh, died on the cross that you might have everlasting life and forgiveness of sin. So we know that the environment was not the cause for baby John the Baptist's joy. It was the presence of the king. So point number one is joy is found in Jesus. And I don't see anything up on the TV monitors, but that's okay. I will go through my presentation without it. Joy is found in in Jesus. Okay? If you don't remember anything else from this morning, I want you to remember joy is found in no other person but Jesus. Well, you might be saying, well, Mark, if you only knew how difficult my life is right now or how it's been, there's no way I can experience joy. I will not share my testimony with you. Some of you do know it, uh, but my wife tells me often that she's amazed that I love Jesus and I love the church as much as I do despite what I've gone through. So I can relate. If you ever want to get together and chat with me, I would love to do so. But there's no excuse for you to sit here and say that, that Jesus cannot overcome the pain and the sorrow, the difficult emotions you have in your life today. 
He will trump your emotions, your sadness. He will give you joy. And joy sometimes manifests itself in happiness. So the very thing that you want to be happy comes from being joyful. Okay? So I want to show you how I came to that conclusion, not just personally, but through the text. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 uh, says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. That's one heck of a Christmas gift, isn't it? It will not perish. It will not fade. It cannot be broken. It's kept in heaven for you. And that inheritance is eternal life. It's all the riches of the kingdom. It's being in the presence of God for all of eternity. And I can't even imagine what that inheritance is going to be like, but I have a taste of it today. And you can too. Who by God's power are being guarded. This is you and I. We're being guarded through faith. Isn't that amazing? God's guarding your faith as weak as it might be. God is guarding your faith as a Christian. Your faith is in the hands of God. Despite your feelings, despite your circumstances, he is holding on to you tightly for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And that salvation is the the freedom from sinning ever again. It's being free from the presence of sin and and the power of sin for all of eternity. So continuing in verse six, it says this. In this you rejoice. And I just unpacked all the reasons why we should be rejoicing. But here's where it it really should apply or does apply for us who don't seem to have joy. If you're a believer, I'm going to just challenge you here that there there is joy. You have joy. But you're, 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 you're trying to calculate your joy based on your emotions. Being a Christian is not... It can be emotional, but it's more tied to the reality of who you are in Christ than it is how you feel you are in Christ. But you can improve that outlook, and I'm going to show you how in just a minute. Though for a little while, if necessary, now that if necessary, I believe, and I know it to be true, God deems it necessary or not. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Sometimes God sends trials your way to get your attention. Count it a blessing that you're going through a trial. If you're a Christian, because God has something wonderful in store for you. So if necessary, you have been grieved. That's another way of saying we're saddened. That's an emotion, right? We're feeling negative emotions because we're going through a trial. Verse 7 says this, the reason for that, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
you go through these trials and it results in praise and honor because you know what? You come through that trial with your faith intact. In fact, it's designed for you to even love God even more because you know that the reality of God is assured. It's absolutely positively intact in your life. He got you through that trial. Patty and I went through a trial like that. And today, man, we are loving the Lord more than ever. It was hard. It was difficult during that time. Of, of, it was a long season. I'll just tell you that. It wasn't a whole lot of happiness. But underneath that was the assurance that God was in control. Going to verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Has anybody here ever seen Jesus? God? The Holy Spirit? No. We have not seen him. We have historical record of his existence. We have the Holy Spirit that lives in us that testifies to the fact that he is who he says he is. But though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy. Get this, that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Isn't that kind of what we're looking for in, in the emotion of happiness? We want this inexpressible happiness. We want this happiness to, just to fill us so that we can enjoy life. Again, happiness is fleeting. Happiness is subjected to joy in the sense that emotions flow from our soul, which enables us to enjoy and interact with our immediate world, but our spirit longs to interact with the spiritual realm. And when you interact with the spiritual realm, when all three components of your life are healthy and well, soul, spirit, and body, look out. You will light the world on fire for his namesake, and you will bless people all around you. So a living hope plus genuine faith results in present joy. When I impact 1 Peter, what we just did, a living hope plus genuine faith results in present joy. You too will rejoice with inexpressible words and it'll be filled with glory. Point number two, joy is found in trials. In fact, I'd rather say joy is perfected in trials, okay? You have joy going into the trial. It doesn't manifest itself in happiness, But when you come out of that, it's extremely powerful, this joy. Joy is perfected in trials. Next thing I want to share with you is I've been through the fire. uh, Or maybe this is your, 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 you're saying this to me, a rhetorical response. Hey, Mark, I've been through this fire, this trial you're speaking of, but I'm still not experiencing joy. Okay? Anybody want to raise your hand to that one? You've been through the fire. Where's the joy that's promised? Well, let me just encourage you with this. This is God's word of encouragement for you, and it's in Psalm 30, 4 through 5. This is how you overcome these feelings of lack of joy, or your feelings don't line up with joy. Sing praises to the Lord. Oh, you saints... And give thanks to his holy name. As a Christian, that's the least you should do in that moment of despair. Sing praises to the Lord. Give thanks to his holy name because he saved you. Now, for those of you who don't know Jesus Christ, 
You too can sing the same song if you place your faith in him. Verse 5 continues, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. God promises that. God promises that joy will come. I can't tell you if it's going to be tomorrow morning or 10 weeks from now. I don't know, but God promises that joy will come in the morning. Now, there's a person, his name is Jesus, who <laughs> embodies that very point that I brought up just now. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. I want you to just take, take a look at this with me as we round the corner and wrap this up. This is also an instruction for you and I, for those who are not experiencing joy right now in our lives. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I look at that, and I ask myself, Jesus, for the joy before him, which is obedience to the Father, and it's also us, the redeemed, For the joy that was before him, it was a joy not yet realized in the sense here, yet he still went to the cross. For the joy, a future joy, he was obedient to death on the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweat blood because his emotions were getting to him. He was sick to his stomach. He was fearful about tomorrow. Tomorrow, he would be betrayed into the hands of the Roman soldiers and then crucified. So his emotions did not stop him from being obedient on the cross. He had joy before he experienced the fullness of joy. Joy is not something that you experience once. Joy is a reality. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus as a Christ follower. You have joy. That song, deep, deep down in my heart. You know what I mean. You you just, you you can't quantify it. You can't explain it. But deep down inside, in your gut, there's just something that's constant and steady. And if you don't know what I'm speaking of, then we're going to pray for you at the end of the service. I want you to have this. No matter what the circumstances are, good, bad, or the other, Inside your gut, there's just this, this assurance that you're a child of God, and God's real, and Christ is watching out for you on the right hand of the throne, inter- interceding on your behalf, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's amazing. Jesus in the garden had joy before he pursued more joy. That should be our pursuit as well. Joy is a choice. Jesus had a choice. Do I succumb to my emotions, or do I... Pursue joy in the biblical sense where I'm going to please the Father and I'm going to redeem every single one of you. How does that make you feel? I just want to worship now. Joy is a choice, a future joy founded in the perfection of Christ. Abundant joy may come in the morning or not, 
But regardless, if you have abundant joy or not, you still have joy. You can choose to have joy. You reclaim, recall, proclaim the word of God in his promises, his character, and watch. You'll feel the joy deep down inside your heart. Amen. Where? In my heart. The fullness of joy will not be realized until you get to heaven, but you can have a taste of heaven today. So point number three, joy anticipates future joy. Joy anticipates future joy. So if you're not experiencing joy in the classic sense as a believer, if you're really honest with yourself or spend some time uh, meditating in God's word, you'll begin to feel that joy in whatever way God wants you to feel that. So Mark, how do I experience joy now? This is our last point. So, so okay, I get it. But how do I experience joy now? Uh, I believe... First John, I'm sorry, John 15, 9 through 11 is the key to experiencing joy now. Who wants to experience joy now? Okay. Just about everybody? Okay. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love or remain in my love. This is Jesus speaking. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and, and abide in his love. And does that mean I'm out of time? <laughs> Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Keeping God's commandments yields joy. Abiding in God's love, remaining in his love, pleasing God with your life of obedience results in fullness of joy. That is what you should do. I should do today to begin experiencing God's joy. Obedience. Point four, joy is found in obedience. And as I was looking at the four points that I came up with today, I realized it produces not an end game in the, in the, in the temporal worldly sense. We, we don't follow these four to then stop at point four, but it actually forms a circle. You, you, you find Jesus. You experience radical love and that joy that you receive for being a child of the king or a child of God. It then God promises in his word to grow you up in the faith, and oftentimes he does that through trials. Then you begin to wonder, does God really love me? Because surely a child of God should not have to go through these trials. Why am I not happy? God's not concerned with your happiness. He's concerned with your eternal well-being, your eternal salvation. That's the joy. And as we are growing up in Christ, we realize that, uh, man, despite the circumstances, I got to press on. I got to make much of my king. I've got to anticipate future joy 
that I'm going to receive as for being obedient today. And then poor is like, okay, I'm obedient, and God promises me this fullness of joy. And then what do you do? You turn around, you worship the king again, and boy, what? And you go through this, and you go through this. That's the, that's the cycle of the Christian life. You, you don't go through a trial once. It's going to be multiple times. You go through that, you go through that, and you grow up in the faith. You become more assured of God and his promises and his attributes, and you get stronger and stronger in your faith, and then those trials don't, they don't, they don't hurt as much. And then you find yourself not waiting for circumstances in your life to line up so you could be happy. You have this joy. Joy is not so much a feeling as it is absolute assurance and the promises and person of God, producing an attitude of hope and praise. As the worship team comes forward, I'm going to finish up this passage in Luke with, uh, with Mary's song of praise. Remember, she was told by the angel Gabriel that she would have a child. God chose her to be uh, the virgin mother of our Lord and Savior. And this is what it says in verse 46. And this should be our response, too, to the magnificent love that God has shown us. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So I just want you to know that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. And what you and I are missing is not happiness in our life or the absence of sadness. We are missing joy that can only come from a right spirit. You know, we were born dead to God. Our spirit, which is created to commune or be able to relate to the heavenly realm, it was dead. It was dead to God. It was alive to sin. It was dead to God. When you place your faith in Christ, guess what? That spirit becomes alive to God. And now your spirit is alive to God, and it's influenced your, your soul, which influences the way you deal with your surroundings, which produces the correct emotions or the appropriate emotions. But when you circumvent the spirit being right with God, and you're trying to get your soul to experience happiness and all of its pleasures... It's short-term, it's fleeting, and it doesn't save. Happiness does not save. Faith in Jesus Christ, your sacrifice on the cross, he took your place on the cross. That joy deep down in your heart is that assurance that you are a child of God. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making Him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.